Hi, welcome to Timely Issues, the podcast. Thank you very much, and uh, let me welcome everybody, uh, also from my behalf, and uh, thank you for taking your time and uh, participating in uh, this um, webinar, and I should say very good evening as well, since I know that we have uh, colleagues from uh, Asia, so it's um, uh, evening time, and uh, some others, especially Irving, it's very early morning hours, so um, we have really a proper global presence today. Um, I will kick off with a couple of pointers uh, on the awareness tourism side, because we agreed that we shared a discussion, and some of which uh, will be focusing on uh, uh, medical tourism, some of which will be focusing on uh, awareness tourism, and I'm doing the uh, awareness part. So um, just a couple of uh, critical issues um, in the field. I think it's time to um, have a quick overview of what's what, and uh, we understand that health tourism is uh, the kind of travel where the primary motivation is um, physical, mental, spiritual health. And under that, we have the medical tourism and awareness tourism, as we understand it. I think it's it's very useful that we have um, just a kickoff terminology, since it gives us the framework under which we are discussing these points. Um, I think the hot topic here is what exactly is going to happen to awareness tourism in that sense after or during the uh, COVID-19 since I don't think we can say that we are over. Uh, to get into the really middle of it, um, I let me share with you how we understand this business. Um, since every single trip contributes to the traveler's well-being one way or another, uh, family visits, business visits, cultural visits, as well as medical awareness visits, uh, we have two major groups um, of impacts we need to look at and motivations. And one is which is nothing to do directly with wellness or medical, and that's what you see on the left-hand side when we have well-being improving options. Um, such as self-gifting, which is, uh, I think, going to be a very important part of the uh, motivation set uh, as we speak. And also, the other one would be the healthy options. And obviously, we have the medical side and the wellness side. But it's all very academic and all very uh, structured. Let me translate it to you to a very different level. So we have, in medical tourism, we have the need to go. Many medical tourists don't actually want to travel. They need to because of accessibility, because of price, because of urgency, because of the state of health. That motivation may not be changed as significantly uh, by the uh, COVID situation or the fear, fear of issues after the COVID situation than in the wellness tourism side where people want to travel. They don't need to travel. They want to travel because of spiritual reasons, because of uh, their very own personal uh, wellness reasons. This is their uh, very own choice. Um, that, again, may or may not be, again, it's not a very definite uh, answer here, may not be uh, influenced that much uh, by the COVID situation, because people might say, you know what? 
I really deserve to have a wellness trip. I absolutely want to go to a wellness trip. And the other side of the um, motivation spectrum might be the happy to. So travelers will be very happy to receive additional services or even information about how they can make that uh, make their trip uh, a little bit more well-being orientated or whichever service can contribute to their well-being. If you look into this kind of distribution of needs and wants, uh, we, we might look into our office in a very different way because what is needed or what is wanted or what is just um, being just happy to have obviously has a major impact on how people might consider traveling in the first place. Um, we shouldn't also forget that, especially nowadays, people will look into the health span and probably less so the lifespan, which the World Health Organization has been suggesting for many years that we should look into health span, so however long we are living, that should be healthy or that should be more on um, more focused on the well-being of our lives. This is probably a very, very hot issue as we speak, since people really look into their well-being and health because they are really concerned. Um, I think and also a very hot issue for any one of us uh, who participate and listen to this discussion, that on the uh, experiences model, People wanted to have a lot of satisfaction, a good amount of surprise, but they wouldn't do a lot of sacrifice. Post-COVID, it's very likely that people will need to uh, do a lot of sacrifice, uh, being uh, worried that they might have a quarantine situation, uh, they might be restricted to do certain things, they might have longer waiting times. So in the motivation of guests, uh, the sacrifice, uh, surprise, and satisfaction mix is uh, being is changing significantly. And again, how you promote your services would need to take that into consideration. Um, and yes, it's a still little uh, uh, example of how might people react that uh, wearing a mask uh, and what kind of masks you might want. And of course, it's not a, a very factual one. But the desperation that finally I want to do something which I enjoy, which could be awareness activity, awareness trip, very much uh, likely is going to be in the forefront of, the, uh, of what we will want to do. Um, it's a little bit of a complicated chart, but uh, I'll guide you through. The COVID uh, situation has an impact on the distance we travel, the brands we uh, consume or look for, the desire of uh, what to do and the location, what to visit. And uh, the obviously the parameters go uh, short distance, long distance, well-known, unknown brands, uh, bucket listed as, a, as such as, um, I really have wanted to visit this place and this is not the time because I don't know what I can do next or ever, or you want to be anything that is tried and proven or you want to do something which is popular and busy or hidden or secluded, uh, not quite knowing what exactly that means. And don't forget, this can change from um, destination to destination. So at some place, uh, you might want to have an unknown brand and that should be close 
in other for other people it should be um, a, a far destination which is popular and busy because you trust the uh, protocols of a brand how they keep the sanitation uh, all in place so just consider next time when you do any kind of promotion or service development how you think your market is located itself in this chart in terms of distance brands desire and location because some might say i want to have anything which is hidden and secluded or don't want to be surrounded by a lot of people uh, but at the same time i want to have a brand in that hidden and secluded uh, situation which is well known which certainly uh, exists so that's it's a nice challenge and uh, when you have your own decision just let us know because happy to hear it um, and also, when we talk about wellness as such, we have four major uh, options here, which is uh, wellnessification, when the whole service provision is wellnessified. Sorry about the stupid word, but that's what it is. So you have a scan, and uh, we can help you with that, for example, uh, of what exactly is uh, recommended in terms of uh, uh, wellnessified. Uh, of gastronomy, accommodation, room service, treatments. You might want to have just a illusion, which is uh, something that looks good or sounds good, uh, and it's related to wellness, but we all know that it's not exactly something that we can trust. Uh, you can also think about entertainment, which is an entertainment infused uh, into wellness activities that actually can have fun since most of the spa wellness treatments are offered or have been offered in a temple-like environment where you shouldn't be talking, we shouldn't have uh, chatting uh, or enjoying yourself in a traditional way but you may have to be very uh, confined and very quiet. Or you may want to be a valinant, which is the leader in your own business based on your uh, very, very highly focused service provision like um, a retreat um, again you it's after you to decide a wellness tuna in sunflower oil what would that be would it be uh, a illusion or it would be something else but it's uh, or just about entertainment but we know that this is happening everywhere and does not help with the businesses uh, that really focusing on, on the wellness provision and one of my favorite and controversial uh, examples is what we call premium selling. Uh, you will always have uh, a large number of new innovative, I mean, called innovative treatment and solutions that becomes very popular. And of course, social media helps a lot, bloggers, vloggers all talk about it. We don't quite know what the impacts of these are, but they become a very fashionable thing. And yes, before you ask, there is something like that and is being recommended. And it, it is what it suggests. Um, still, it may not have a, a long uh, shelf life. Still, Issues like this, uh, such as in Japan, when you do have uh, a proven record of what hot lava may uh, do to you uh, psychologically and physically, may be valued again, uh, because people would like to know the evidence. So I would like you to remember that you need to give uh, uh, some sort of uh, details or evidence uh, of what you are suggesting in awareness, especially after the COVID situation because people want to know that this is safe or just uh, a joke to be quite honest. 
So uh, as, a, uh, as a summary, because I need to pass it on to Irving to talk about medical tourism, uh, we had been talking about user experiences for, for quite some time. But if you don't mind, I think we should uh, shift to well-being experiences, which is WX, and more like uh, uh, responsible well-being experiences of whatever we are doing, what impact it may have on the host environment and host situation, and how those experiences may contribute to our well-being. We might even have another uh, webinar on this topic because that really is something which is uh, new and we would be very happy to talk to you about. Um, so remember, we need to have stories, we need to have reliable stories, we need to have evidence, we need to have unique well-being propositions, not sales propositions, make this, uh, recognize this difference, but value propositions, why that is good for me, because I may need to reconsider all of my trips, so I need to understand why that is valuable to me, and what is just uh, being sold to me. And uh, we also understand that service providers, just like yourselves, or planners or organizations, would need to be mentored of how this is going to be done and how we can translate all these great ideas and new models into operations. Um, we're happy to um, tell you that such mentoring activity uh, will follow up this, uh, this um, webinar um, from uh, end of September onwards. So watch this space. We're very happy to tell you how that is going to be uh, laid out. And uh, health tourism is a luxury. Uh, we believe that it's now becoming a necessary luxury not just uh, a, a luxury itself, but a necessary luxury because uh, of the health scares, because of the mental well-being challenges that we are uh, observing. So more people will be looking for these uh, services and these value propositions that you're doing. Um, just calling your attention to the uh, handbook that we have been written uh, with Irving and we very happily launching it in just two weeks time. So uh, watch your uh, mailbox because we will be happy to uh, tell you all about it. And uh, should you need uh, want to talk to me about the wellness side or any other matter, feel free to contact me uh, via these um, channels. And uh, should you want to have more information about all the intelligence that we develop, feel free to visit. Uh, our website, which is very you know, suggestive since it's uh, suzoverline.life, just even with the domain suggesting how important life and uh, um, well-being really is. Uh, this is time to pass uh, the microphone and the camera to Irving, and I'm more than happy to receive your questions uh, now or later. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lasso. Welcome, Irving. Thank you, Laszlo, for, as always, an excellent presentation. And uh, I'm going to ask my colleague, can you see my screen all right? Can yes. you see my screen? All right. So we're off to a good, we're off to a good start. Uh, we are uh, very pleased that you all made the commitment to register and to show up. We're particularly pleased that so many of our colleagues from India, Southeast Asia, and other uh, Eastern 
countries have joined us. So good evening and thank you. Um, this is uh, uh, an extraordinarily important topic. I know these are extraordinary times. We've never been through um, a period such as this. So I wanna thank you all and uh, send my sincere wishes that um, and, and hope that uh, all of you are uh, well and surviving and that some of you are even uh, thriving. As, as was said at the beginning, um, Laszlo indicated, uh, we hope that you'll sign up to take a look at our new book. Um, we've added quite a bit of detail, useful case studies, and the marketing basics for health and medical and dental tourism, uh, which I trust you'll find um, useful. My intent today is to talk about uh, how medical tourism in particular, but the markets overlap, as Laszlo pointed out, talk about external factors, uh, public health response to the pandemic, talk about demand both in travel and psychologically, and talk about supply and capacity and the path to recovery. As Laszlo went through his presentation, I was struck with the uh, array of options for segmenting demand, segmenting our markets. And this becomes tremendously important and hardly an academic exercise, terribly important for one of the strategic options that providers, health and medical and dental, have in dealing with the pandemic. So in the health tourism markets, there are segments to the markets that are critical to understanding how we can respond, how we can work toward the thaw. The first end of the market, of the markets, is the, what I refer to as high volume, low unit value side of the markets. Um, in the health, dental, and medical areas, dental, cosmetic, orthopedic, and all the way over to cardiac or um, high complex cancer treatments, for example. These are low volume, high unit value uh, elements or segments to the markets for health and medical tourism. These markets are frozen. Any of these markets that rely on cross-border travel are frozen. There are emerging markets and demand uh, that's less distance uh, specific, and we'll talk about those. And there are certain procedures that as Laszlo alluded to, although I don't think I wanna do any perineum sunning right now, uh, there are hedonistic or those I want it ends of the market that providers, which historically have focused on the low volume, more complex types of surgeries, more complex types of procedures. Uh, there are some of those service lines which providers uh, may want to consider. So in these markets, what's critical for consumers 
is the stability, the perception of stability in the destination. The second factor, of course, is access. Can I get there? Uh, a third factor is the economics. Can I afford it? Uh, am I still employed in the current environment? Another, another issue is capacity. Are the hospitals, are the providers, are the dental clinics, are the cosmetic service providers, are they open to provide? Are they providing the types of services I'm interested in? And then the final issue is reputation and brand, which in a pandemic is critically important. And we're still evaluating the impacts of reputation and brand at a national and destination and even provider level um, it, as we are, what now, seven months into this situation. Well, certainly from a travel perspective, you have to look at the number of commercial airline flights uh, around the world. And this is fairly recent data from uh, Flight Tracker 24, Flight Radar 24, which shows a comparison of uh, 2019 versus 2020. And you can see the profound and remarkable drop-off in the number of commercial airline flights around the world. This, of course, is what we refer to as a frozen market. Now, some people have, you've seen in the popular press, some discussions about recovery in the travel markets, and we can see a very gradual uh, return or recovery of commercial airline flights since its absolute plummet in March to where in July uh, they were beginning to come back, but of course they're still nowhere near where they had been prior to the crash in March. How, how will the travel market recover? How will therefore the health tourism, the medical tourism, health tourism markets recover? Well, looking at the traditional models, one can look at the re-engagement or the recovery of the travel market parallel with the recovery of, or similar to the recovery of economics, the gross domestic product and other major economic indicators. And what we were predicting back in March when Laszlo and I held our first webinar on this topic, we weren't predicting a V-shaped return or a U-shaped return as many political pundits and wishful thinkers were suggesting. We were suggesting a Nike swoosh. So uh, in March, we suggested that there would be three uh, likely recovery paths for travel activity, and that these recovery paths would be based on things like uh, the, the coordinated response to the pandemic, uh, the ability of travel carriers to operate uh, economically, uh, the, the ability of nations to coordinate their response, because it doesn't, doesn't matter if I can fly from Portugal, if there's uh, the destination I want to get to doesn't allow me or doesn't permit me or pre presents obstacles for me to arrive at my destination that doesn't do me any good 
if my TAP airline flights leaves Lisbon if I've got nowhere to go. Well, here's very recent data that shows the actual economic recovery um, that shows in, in Europe how the recovery has been halting. It has been uh, up and down, and it certainly looks very similar to the curve we were predicting uh, back in March. And that's because of the peculiar uh, lack of synchronicity and re response to the pandemic around the world. Hotspots continue to emerge. Uh, countries work very, very hard at allaying or mitigating the effects of the pandemic. And so their economies open up and yet others close down. And this will continue probably until a vaccine is available and there's widespread distribution of the vaccine. And this allows consumers to restore their confidence and get on to um, trains, planes, and buses. The other impact that COVID-19 has had, of course, is on capacity. The ability of healthcare providers, and these, this image in particular is of a hospital in a particularly hard hit destination. Uh, the other impact is on capacity. Uh, elective procedures were absolutely stopped. Uh, the faucet, as it were, were turned off, was turned off so that elective procedures, which of course was the bread and butter of medical tourism in particular, and as well as health tourism, some parts of health tourism, uh, those elective procedures were stopped. Um, I'm a great believer in the value of medical um, and wellness treatments like massage therapy, for example. And I was only able to get a, uh, an appointment for a massage therapy session in June. So it, that's an example of how capacity um, has been uh, shocked, has been interrupted. Some percentage of capacity will not come back. Uh, consumers uh, are afraid, they're fearful. Uh, providers need to adapt and look at other opportunities. Uh, there is definitely pent-up demand that's emerging. Uh, some of our clients have noticed, had noticed, that there was a surge as soon as uh, the ability to travel was eased, there was a surge in demand and bookings. And then when certain destinations, either their destination or the source location destination began to impose further restrictions, there was another drop. So that's an example of this on again, off again, uh, whipsaw effect of the lack of synchronous or consistent response around the world to the pandemic. So what are, we've got some strategic options while we're working toward the thaw. There's strategic options and they're tactical options. The strategic options are new markets, other service lines. Laszlo went through some of the wellness and more, this is what I want type of service lines and even providers that consider themselves very serious and very uh, focused on clinical matters, these providers should be considering 
extending their service lines into other areas. Then there's new source marketplaces, which is frankly local. There are, is local demand, which many destinations and many providers that had invested heavily in international source locations, there are local markets that need to be tapped into. And our promotions, our marketing, our plat communications platforms can and should be zeroed in on those new near marketplace options. And then there's tactical options. The tactical critical options are reducing and addressing consumers' fear. The, and that's a tricky matter. We need to demonstrate or show safety. We need to demonstrate and show that, that we're testing, we're masking, and we're cleaning aggressively. So th this is a question about if we clean it, will they come? Just like if we build it, will they come? Certainly our hygiene standards need to be very aggressively uh, performed and communicated. Uh, there are some uh, credentialing and standards organizations that have added additional cleaning protocols, uh, hotels, uh, and we need to be doing that in our dental clinics, in our hospitals, and in our clinics offices by showing testing, cleaning, and other behaviors that will allay and mitigate and reduce consumers' concerns. That's a, that's a joke that I'm not gonna try to tackle. So uh, what I wanna do here is, nope, not that one. Um, I want to get back to the PowerPoint. <laughs> so how about the segmenting? We, Laszlo talked about segmenting the markets. And what I wanna point out is that there are uh, two segments going back to the way the markets break out, how the markets break down. The, seg the segments that will come back first are the vanity segments, or as Laszlo was talking about the hedonism. I think it's an excellent apt descriptor for that end of the market. These consumers who desperately need or want a procedure or a treatment or an opportunity to indulge themselves or to adjust their self-image somehow, these consumers will fight past whatever obstacles and whatever concerns um, that their family and friends have and begin, will begin to see these markets emerge. In fact, these have been the first uh, segments of the consumer markets to emerge. The second piece that's coin that has come back are high acuity. Individuals with bad heart valves, individuals that seriously require cancer treatments. These individuals are seeking treatments and attempting to overcome uh, travel barriers and access obstacles in order to access treatments. So these ends of this market array will return first. Um, so tentatively, tactically, uh, think locally before you think at distance, before you think about traveling consumers. Very interesting survey that survey data that I was reviewing recently 
that indicated that consumers feel safest, uh, people, consumers in the United States feel safest in their cars. So I think people are going to be driving. So I think this applies to Europe uh, as well as in Asia and other locations where it can be accessed, the, the services that are being sought can be accessed by automobile. Vanity and hedonism markets will come back first. Very high acuity markets will come back second. Unfortunately, that leaves out the middle market of elective scheduled procedures like orthopedics. Um, the middle market will be the last to return. Um, we have to address the issues of consumer hesitation by our messaging by our protocols and by communicating those protocols aggressively into the market segments, into the audiences we've identified. Uh, we need to look at remote solutions, telehealth, any telemetry-based or telemetry-aided tools can and should be brought to bear uh, to help uh, support our brands and keep our messages in front of our audiences. And then finally, we must address fear versus risk tolerance. This will be a critical element in the emergence or re-emergence, the thaw of the health travel, health tourism, and the medical tourism markets. Uh, Laszlo and I are very, very uh, happy and pleased that you've chosen to take this time to be with us. If you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe and be sure to tell your friends and colleagues. Thanks for listening.